All right, my friend, here we go. This is going to be this is going to be a show. This is going to be a show on programming. Man, I mean, the fact that you sighed right after the intro. I, <laughs> I mean, get your head in the game, Pat. I feel like this is uh, this is your topic. This is it. Maybe Man. that's why it's uh, feeling a little like you got some pressure because uh, <laughs> this is something that I know is near and dear to your heart and from the outside, I will say that you are very, very good at it. You've crafted uh, a skill set that uh, is clearly an example. So, uh, I, have, I appreciate that, but it causes me stress because I feel like, I feel like what I need is all of us to sit around at a coffee shop for three hours and just like shoot, <laughs> shoot the breeze back and forth. Like I think this, yeah. uh, it's going to be interesting to try to get everything across that I'd like to and 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 lay it out in a nice logical fashion. So my apologies mm. to everybody if it's just a rambling stream of consciousness at times. I'm going to try to get as much stuff out as I can. You may have to listen to this a few times and take notes. So, And then you're going to just shoot back and forth, interject. If I'm going in a oh, different yeah. direction than maybe how you do things, you know, we can just, hopefully by the end, there's just a ton of knowledge for people who want to learn more about programming to really get started. Like actually get started. That's my yeah. goal. Not a lot of fluffy Rubber talk. Rubber to the road. Yes. Like what should I actually yeah. do? I know it's supposed to be very check. I know it's a blah, blah, blah. What am I supposed to do? So that's the goal. Well, and maybe that's a great place to start. I think that there's a few kind of top line things that we should queue up. Um, number one, you know, we were talking before we started recording a little bit, and we both agreed that, you know, programming, when you're talking about CrossFit, especially when you're new, it can seem a little bit chaotic. It can seem like there's, you know, just kind of mm -hmm. no rhyme or reason to it. Random um, seems random. Yeah, exactly. But with enough experience, you start to kind of understand the pattern. Um, and, you know, there's certainly a million variations on that pattern, but, but broadly, you're going to start to see the same themes emerge where you're trying to develop multiple physical attributes at once. You're trying to spread somebody's general physical capacities across a couple of different domains. Um, and in order to do that, you're going to, you're going to see some things that naturally kind of emerge. So I think that's important to establish up, out the gate and also say that, it can almost start to get to the point where you look at somebody like yourself, where you can start pulling workouts out almost intuitively that makes sense to do uh, day after day, week after week or whatever. But the only way to get there is through experience. And that experience oh, sure. starts with not being afraid to put a workout on paper, give it a shot, and then analyze what happened and, and why was it good or bad or fit the bill or didn't. And I'll also say, hopefully this illuminates it a bit more because each person will have their own style, my style, your style, yeah. fill in the next person, right? And having different styles is totally good to go. But if you're actually chasing well-rounded GPP, we're all trying to get to the same finish line. You're mm -hmm. allowed to take different routes there. And and what makes the route yeah. good or bad is if it's effective. If, if your programming yes. works, yep. almost nothing else matters. I don't care how you got there. Does it work and does it drive fitness forward? Hey, good on you for having a different style or method. That's not important. You you yeah. got the goods. And I also think Oof. CrossFit programming is really challenging. I almost want to say some of the most challenging programming out there. And then maybe I'll get some pushback about that, but that's the internet. Because if I'm just a runner and we're just going to run, mm -hmm. that simplifies down my focus. Or I'm just working on squat, yeah. press, and dead. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Don't get me wrong. But I know my three things to focus on. In CrossFit, we're greedy. 
I want to mm-hmm. somehow create a systematized, beautifully laid out, intentional scheme of workouts that don't just get my barbell lifts moving in the right direction, but while that's happening, I don't want to neglect my gymnastics. I actually want those to go up at the same time, not in mm-hmm. the next phase, not next quarter, at the same time. And oh, by the way, I would like to improve my 400 meter run and my 5K, if that's not too much to ask, while doing all these things. And by the way, we're talking Olympic lifting and the power lifts and some other things. Like, there's a lot going on. And to do that and to move all of those markers at the same time, without overtraining the athlete, providing just enough stimulus to move the needle forward, not so little that you don't, not too much that they crumble. There's a lot going on in CrossFit programming. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's the same dilemma that a good coach faces where you have to be proficient, not only understanding these skills, but being able to communicate them to other people, being able to communicate them to people that may not have had any experience or exposure to them. It's a tall order. So yeah, you're absolutely right. You're dealing with a lot of variables. And quite often, in my opinion, the hardest part about programming in the beginning is being comfortable eliminating things that you need for the day. And maybe that's a good place to start. Because I think the easy kind of novice trap or beginner's trap when you're programming is like, okay, we got all this stuff to develop. Let's do it all at once. Mm-hmm. You just jam it all in there and, and hope for the best. And that's not a great approach. Well, I think this also, see, here's why I think this might be a five-hour show. So yeah. also we are, is exactly what you're saying is the, the programming I think that you're talking about that I'm talking about, what makes it so challenging is I'm trying to do all of those things that we just said, move all of those needles forward with the absolute minimalist approach right. possible. Yeah. If you give me an athlete that has has unlimited time and can handle unlimited sessions each day, you know how much easier you just made my job? Mm-hmm. I can just stack things on and know that they're magically not going to be overtrained, but that's not the right. case. Most people, limited time frame, limited gear, what's the most bang for your buck? So that's also wrapped into this. So, well, and to, to kind of piggyback on that and what you said earlier, and I think is so important to just park on for a minute is that the results are the most important thing and that's Mm -hmm. something when people get really into programming a a few things can happen you know number one they start to really fall in love with the design of the program itself and that becomes divorced from what actually shows itself to be happening so don't go down that path make sure that results and what's happening uh, really are the only important metrics that you're looking at Um, And then number two, I think another important thing to to piggyback on is like, yes, the most impressive programming and coaching is one where you can take the average person who is not a professional athlete, who is just there to get a little bit fitter and a little bit healthier. Maybe they only have time to show up three, four days a week. And within that, you can still drive their progress for years. That Mm -hmm. is a really, really well-designed program. That is what you are looking for, in my opinion, at the pinnacle. I've got limited resources, limited time, limited enthusiasm from this individual, and yet they still continue to make progress over the long term. That is what you should be shooting for, in my opinion. And in my opinion, this is the art and science for a piece like Glassman, you say, which is so true. I, I fully believe that great programming is part art and part science. Mm-hmm. Is it beautiful programming oh, sure. and effective programming is also a bit mysterious, right? Because <laughs> like we've said before, 
If we're deadlifting every week and your deadlift increases, you can follow the bouncing ball on that. If we're not deadlifting every week and your deadlift keeps going up, that confuses people. That's awesome. We're, we're, we're hoping to peel back the layers right now, let you know how that's happening. Yeah. And I'm not just talking with a beginner athlete where you just get PRs for showing up. I'm talking with an experienced athlete as well. So, okay, here we go. Hopefully this doesn't change the nature of our friendship. You think I'm a psychopath after I finish <laughs> talking here. We have to scrub this episode and never sees the light of day. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to talk about where I start because, you know, you talked about what to put in each day or, or what should be eliminated or not trying to put too much in. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, figuring out where I need to go helps do that. So the very first thing, again, I wanted to make this actionable, and this is just the way that I do it. Feel free to do it some other way. I program in four-week chunks right off mm. the bat. Some people program just the next day. Or have to, this is just me, four-week chunks. So I've got Google Sheets on my computer going back from like 2014 when I first opened my gym and all that. And each year is laid out in, in seven-day weeks or whatnot. So I'll lay out a new four-week block. And the very first thing that I'll do is I will get a, a sheet of paper, old school sheet of paper. I'll get a pencil out and I will start working chronologically backwards, specifically on heavy days. I will just start mm. with the most recent one that we did. What was the date? What was it? What was the rep scheme, et cetera, et cetera. And then working backwards, what was the next one? And I'll categorize two things personally for my style in these things. Classic heavy days, fives, threes, ones, things like that. And things that I would say have a definite heavy heavy bias, or I'd say that they're heavy days at a high heart rate, where they're most Mm. intentionally a strength bias day, but they're not a classic heavy day. Mm -hmm. Those are going to get in there as well. And if it was a percentage on the barbell, so program those, what was the percentage? As much detail as I can. And I'll go back for probably about three months is what I'll do. And if you're in audio form, you won't be able to see this, but I'm actually just finished kind of doing this. And so I have the sheet of paper, you know, that I have here, which is just written back everything that it happens to be, um, says back squat five by five on this date. Before that, deadlift five by three. Before that, front squat seven by one. Then we did clean and jerks. Then we did snatch. Like whatever it happened to be, that all gets laid out first. Once I do that. Well, let me pause you right there just so that we're really clear. So if you, uh, what was the first one on the list? Was back squat? Is that right? It was back squat five by, it was actually, well, the, the one I didn't read the real one because it was there was a lot going on there, but it was power <laughs> okay. snatch, hang squat, well, snatch, and let, pull let, snatch. Well, let, let's, let's not muddy the waters. Let's say the first one was back squat. So that was the most recent strength lift that you had done in your mm-hmm. program. And then the one prior to that was a little bit further away from the present. And the one prior to that was further Correct. away, et cetera. Correct. So you're looking back at, okay, got Looking it. in the so rear view mirror. Yep. At From most recent to most distant. Yep. Got it. Yep. So okay. arguably, so arguably, the one furthest down the list we haven't seen right. in the longest period of time, which might lead you to believe it should make an appearance, right? Yes. So okay. that all gets laid out there, but now there's a lot going on on that sheet of paper. <laughs> so again, I've developed systems over the years. Another thing that I'll, I'll print out every time that I'm doing this is all those lifts that I just mentioned. Again, I apologize to the audio listeners. You're going to have to go to the BTWB channel and watch <laughs> this. I've got this sheet that I just created that has major lifts on it and there's little boxes next to it. Mm. And for example, 
the first thing that says at the top is back squat, but there's three general categories I'll have for a back squat. Back squat classic, back squat heavy at a high heart rate, and back squat in just a, a normal workout. Mm. So there's back squat, but there's three different segments in my mind. And that same thing exists for front squat, for overhead squat, for deadlift, mm. for clean and jerk, for everything. And so I've got the fast lifts, the slow lifts, push press, push jerk, everything on here. What I will then do, working off that list that I wrote in reverse chronological order, I'll start to look as to what hasn't made an appearance and I'll make a little annotation on this list that has the boxes next to it. Again, here's my, my nuclear brain going on. So by the end of all this crazy stuff that I'm doing, I will have laid out what needs to make an appearance. And let's say there's those three different types of back spots, just to keep things simple right now. Classic, mm -hmm. heavy data, high heart rate, and in a workout. Well, maybe the most recent back squat that needs to make, that should make an appearance is a classic heavy day. It's not, but let's just say that. That would get an A1 next to it. Mm. Then the next thing that maybe needs to make an appearance is not another back squat, because we just back squatted. So maybe it's mm -hmm. an overhead squat, but in a workout like Nancy, so the, or heavy day at a high heart rate. So that gets an A2 next to it. And then a front squat comes around, but that's going to be a heavy day to high heart rate. That gets an A3. And then we go B1, B2, B3, C1, C2, C3. And I played this game for all the squats, the deads, the power cleans, the jerks, the snatches. And just it starts to lay out a structure numerically and with letters as to A1s are my priorities, A2s are the next priorities, A3s, et cetera, et cetera. I will then, that just tells me the lift, though. Sure. That yeah. doesn't tell me the rep scheme. So now yeah. I have to play the same game with the rep scheme. Okay, great. I know that we should back squat heavy. Super. Should we do seven by one? Should we do doubles? Should we do triples? Should we do five by five? Should we like we gotta play this game again, or else we're gonna be unnecessarily repetitive and probably not ideal? So this takes, as you can tell, a while. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while to do. So I do that. And let's just stay with heavy days for now. So I'll do that for all the heavy days, all the fast lifts, all the slow lifts. And then I will take those based upon their now identifiable priority to me of both the lift and the rep range. And I will start to place them into that four-week blocks that I have in the Google Docs sheets, the Google Sheets, I should say. And this is just a general rule. Things change, right? It's not this rigid. But if we're looking for usable things that people can start running with, this is what I'll just start running with. I'm going to put in at least one heavy day per week, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, there's a really good chance that there'll be something more than that. It could be a classic heavy day and a heavy day at a high heart rate. And that might not happen every week, but maybe over the course of a two-week block, there's certainly going to be a heavy day, a classic heavy day each week, and then probably one heavy day at a high heart rate within that two-week block for sure. Mm -hmm. So it's either going to be both in one week or over the course of a two-week period, a classic each week and a heavy day at a high heart rate. That gets laid out, but it gets laid out as, like I said, when I made that long list, it gets laid out looking backwards, right? Because maybe we just identified that the back squat is what needs to come up, needs to make an appearance, a classic back squat. Well, here's the interesting thing. 
CrossFit programming is not just heavy days. It's other normal workouts as well that also do include things which interfere. So maybe we went below parallel on the very last day below the rest day. And so I might take that back squat, even though it it makes the most sense to put it there. It might get bumped out just a little bit because I know what the athlete might be feeling after that most recent day, and it could be spicy, and I might not want it to be. Here's the other confusing thing. I might want it to be. (laughs) I might actually want to have you squat on fatigued legs. Mm. And this is why we could have a five-hour conversation over a cup of coffee, right? Because then the question would become, well, when do you know when to do that? And how often should I do it? Rabbit holes that we won't go down right now. But but point being, you might you might have somebody squatting on less than ideal legs every now and then. And I, in an ideal world, it's intentional and you saw it coming. You did it for a purpose. When you're new to cro- uh, programming, it'll probably happen every now and then. You'll be like, darn it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. And anyone who says they haven't done that as a programmer lied to you, right? We've all, Absolutely. We've all yep. done that. And the class was a bit spiced up in a way that you didn't think they'd be spiced up. And you're like, oh, no. Well, you all don't <laughs> want to hear what we have today. My apologies. It's just kind of, it is what it is. So thus far, before we go any further, does that make sense so far? Yeah, I think so. So you're, you're using heavy days as kind of the base structure of the template you're looking back to establish what needs to be included um basically on a recency bias like okay Mm -hmm. what hasn't been uh performed in a while and then you're looking at not only what what movement hasn't been performed in a while but in what way have we not performed this movement in a while yeah and then you're using that as kind of the the basic structure or, or the first building block in the program from which other things are going to be laid around. And so yep. that's the first piece of information. And I think what is good from a big picture there to kind of just stand on for a minute is the hardest thing when you start laying out multiple weeks of programming, in my opinion, or any length of time really, is that blank slate problem of, okay, mm-hmm. there's so many things to tackle there's so many different directions I could go. Where do I start? And so that to me, I think whether new programmers decide that they want to start using heavy days as their first step or not, my takeaway would be, look, you have to have something that you're going to use as a priority that gets you started, that gets the door cracked open, because every subsequent decision that becomes informed from that gets a little bit easier to make. It's like, okay, this is clearly leading me down a path. Once I have that first thing there, the next decision, well, it just kind of makes sense based on what's already there and so on and so forth. So if you can figure out a way for yourself that you can Mm -hmm. get that blank slate problem out of the way, it becomes much easier and, and much accelerated to do the rest of it. Um, is that your experience as well? Yeah, just starting. Yep, you got to start yep. putting some pieces in. And you can't fall in love with them. They're going to change so yeah. many times by the end. Like right now, do not fall in love with where they are. This is just right. general talk. You're putting pieces in. And only once you start to put more pieces in, the once you develop the site board, the path almost begins to illuminate itself. But you've mm-hmm. got to put some yep. stepping stones in there initially to yep. see the interplay between each other. And then if you're listening, they'll tell you what should happen to some degree, right? And another thing is also, I don't want to say that not all the lifts are equal, but not all the lifts are equal. So for example, <laughs> it, it's not like... Um, True story. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not going to 
front squat and back squat and overhead squat the exact yep. with the exact same frequency. I'm going to front squat and back squat with more regularity than a heavy overhead yep. squat. Just, yep. just for the adaptation, the loading on the bar, that's not to say I'm not going to heavy overhead squat. We're certainly going to. But I also might accomplish that on a seven by one squat snatch day or some other things as well that aren't mm -hmm. just a classic heavy overhead squat. And if I have a heavy overhead squat as the primary lifting day, classic lifting day of that week, then you can almost guarantee that that will be a week that contains a heavy day at a high heart rate somewhere else. Just because right. generally speaking, you're not going to have anywhere near the loading in the bar that you would on a seven by one back squat. And it's not, yep. well, it's a very yep. challenging and beneficial day. It's not going to be as taxing and fatiguing yep. to the athlete as something else. So yeah, or said, said another way, the absolute load that you will experience that day will be significantly less. And therefore, you can get away with a little bit more of an aggressive effort in that same mini cycle. Yes, exactly. And again, if we're talking ideal world, right? Paradise. Uh, then as those, as those heavy days are laid into the four-week block or cycle, if you will, um, there is not only going to be this, you know, intentional, nice flow of below parallel to pulling off the ground to going overhead, uh, but there'll also ideally be that same thing. I'm going to pay attention to whether it was a fast lift or a slow lift. Was it one of the power lifts or was it one of the Olympic mm -hmm. lifts? And and I would like to have this nice back and forth interplay between those as well to make sure that they're getting a nice, um, you know, they're all kind of doing a nice dance together. That in yep. an ideal world is how they'll start to first get plugged into that four week block. And so that yeah. Let's say that we finally did that. We identified the lifts that were needed. We did all of our research and homework looking back as to whether or not they should be classic. Should they be heavy days at a high heart rate? Um, once we identified that, what should the rep ranges be? And then they'll all go in. And, uh, and you know, it's going to happen every now and then that let's just say, um, and this isn't necessary, but this is just chatting out loud, that it might be that... Um, a seven by one is what's needed in a particular lift and a seven by one in another lift. There's absolutely nothing wrong with, you know, having two seven by ones follow. Like you don't have to sure. never have this thing because, you know, while variance is important, it's, it's whatever. Mm. But in, if we're again talking ideal world, it would be nice if there was also um, everything was in a particular pattern that we had a, a nice variance between that as well. That'd be great. So every athlete doesn't feel like we're doing this lift again, we're doing this rep scheme mm. again. But if that's what you need, that's what you need. So that, in my mind, yeah, that always trumps everything else. You know, I always like to say my, my goal is to program what's effective, not what's popular. And mm -hmm. so if, if through scrutiny and analysis, it's really definitive that a certain thing is needed on that day, we're going to most likely go that route, you know, and yeah. the, and the, uh, uh, the beauty be, be darned if you will. <laughs> but, well, okay. So let me, let me stop you there for a second. So, you know, this is a pretty interesting way that you start with heavy days and then move forward from there. Um, you know, I'm curious as to what your kind of step two is once you get past that, but before we get there, why have you found that that is kind of ground zero for you? I mean, it could just as easily have been 
okay, these are the skills that I want to have laid mm-hmm. out over the course of this time block. Or, you know, this is the endurance work that I want to have um, coming up on a regular basis. Like, why, why have you gravitated towards that particular aspect as being the first building block? Is that just habit? Is that just what you found to be the easiest to kind of mentally wrap your, your head around? Why those strength movements as ground zero? It's a great question. I don't know if I know the exact answer because it's it's been that way for so long now. But mm. but potentially because the especially if you're going to do, let's say you're only going to do one heavy day that particular week, mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of wiggle room for error. You better get it right if it's just mm. that one. You know, whereas a lot of the other things that we might go into down the road. Uh, you could touch a couple times a week and be good to go, but we're not going to do two five-by-five back squats in one week. But we might do pull-ups twice in one week, you Mm -hmm. know, or we might do sit-ups or toes or like something else like twice in one week. And so you might have a bit more freedom and a bit more wiggle room and a bit more play area with some of those other things to massage them and manipulate them in a way to still achieve your goals. But if you really... If you really need a seven by one dead, you've got to get it in that week somewhere. And so I mm-hmm. found I found this just for me personally, that's a good way to start and just to make sure that like, let's make sure that this gets its due, you know, because we're doing yep. uh, on most yep. days, you know, one one a week again, potentially with a heavy day to high heart rate, which gives you some uh, some strike zone as well to play with, which is nice. But that's probably why if I was to rack my brain for that. Okay, so step one, you've got your strength work templated in and not firm. We're, we're talking like, to use a, a paraphrase from uh, my friend, Johnny Mack, he says, wet concrete. It's not, yeah. it's, not, it's, not, it's not solid yet. You know, it hasn't dried. It's not cured. You can still kind of go back and smooth it out if you have no. to, but we, we've put it in wet concrete. So yes. we're at the stage now. Uh, what's the second step? Where, where do you go from there? The second step is going to be uh, very similar, a very similar process of looking backwards as to what we've done, what we've done most recently, what did it look like? Was it light? Was it moderate? Was it heavy? What was the rep range? And that's going to take place with, uh, you know, most of the lifts or moves that you can think of. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to go back and, and look at thrusters but, and look at, you know, how many times did we do thrusters? What was the rep scheme? Until I go to program it, then I will. But I'm going to take a look back and see for generally speaking, I've got some of the same sheets laid out that I that I had with the heavy days. I've got for your classic gymnastics, upper body pulling. I'll go back and take a look at, we've got pull-ups kipping, pull-ups strict, chest-to-bar kipping, chest-to-bar stripped, strict, ring muscle-ups, bar muscle-ups, rope climbs with legs, ring rows, that same kind of a deal. And look backwards and see where have we been? What have we done? What was the recency of it? How frequently did we do it? What was, was it in a, if it's pull-ups, was it in Angie with one big set of a hundred? Was it chipper style mm. or was it a 21, 15, nine in Fran? What are we talking about? Was it with something complimentary? Or was it with something interfering, et cetera, et cetera. I do that same thing with midline from ab mat, GHD, toes to bar, knees to elbows, V-ups, you know, you name it. I'll do that same deal with all the, like the classic sprint days, all the foot sprints, all the row mm. sprints, all the air bike things, and all of that stuff. You know, even though it, it's painstaking to do, it takes my personal bias of me just going, 
you know, I feel like we haven't done this in a while. And then I look and I go, oh, well, I didn't realize that we actually, we did do that a couple of weeks ago. And as a matter of fact, we haven't done this in a while. Geez, how has it been so long that we haven't done an eight by 200 meter sprint day? That seems like that should probably make an appearance. So that, that starts to get put in there. And then the very next thing that I'll take a look at, again, if we have those heavy days chunked out there, is let's say that that heavy day was uh, a five by five back squat. I think that's what we were playing with earlier, right? That's week mm -hmm. one, our heavy day, five by five back squat. Well, right off the bat, again, if you have to start somewhere, I know that I'm not going to only want to go below parallel that entire week with a five by five back squat and nothing else. So I'm going to put in right now, I'll actually just like type into the to the block on the Google sheet, mm -hmm. below parallel. I'll just, it can be as simple as that, below parallel. Just to hold the idea. That's it. Yep. And, yep. and, it, and it won't be the next day. <laughs> okay. It'll be, you know. 48 to 72 hours later, ideally, will be below parallel. So you've got a little bit of time between the two sessions. So if the back squat five by five, let's say, was plugged in on Tuesday, maybe our next below parallel day is on Friday, just for, you know, giggles right there. And that same deal will get, play, again, playing off of the heavy days. Um, I might just write in pull from the ground. I might mm -hmm. write in go overhead. I might write in gymnastics pull, whatever it happens to be, not saying a movement, not saying a rep scheme, not saying a loading. I'm thinking about how the body moves and based upon how the body moves, whether we're going below parallel, we're hinging at the hip, we're pulling at the ground, whatever is the nomenclature that you use in your head to identify all the different ways that you would like somebody to move over the course of a week, that starts to get plugged in in very just rough terms. And I'll do that for all four weeks. You know, and then I'll skip, come back to that first week and look at what I need to do. And maybe I'll start with that below parallel day because it's a nice play off of the back squat. And now I'll look back with a different lens, like, okay, we're going below parallel. What have we done to go below parallel? Okay, well, Karen came up last week. Gotcha. High volume, lightweight, chipper workout. Uh, before that, it was something else. Before that, it was something else. And again, looking backwards, if there's 15 different ways, let's just say that you could go below parallel, looking back, well, then you know, as you start to tick down that list, you'll identify what hasn't made an appearance in a bit. Mm -hmm. But here's the other deal, right? Is just because whatever you identify hasn't come to the show in a while, that doesn't mean it's the next person that you should invite uh, onto the yeah, dance floor. It doesn't floor. have to be, yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, maybe there's, it's been quite a while since you did pistols, right? Well, that doesn't mean you need to just, you need to do pistols. Those are probably one of those movements that for a lot of people don't need to show up quite as regularly as a whole sure. bunch of other ways that we can go below parallel. Okay, so pistols gets identified as what supposedly should make an appearance. That's the science part. Like That's just where the math and the, and the detective work led you. Now comes in your role as, as a programmer and learning the craft and figuring out where you've been and what movements have the most bang for their buck of True, yeah, but you know what? Um, if I look back three movements, we haven't done dumbbell thrusters in a bit. And mm -hmm. I can take dumbbell thrusters, pair of 50-pound dumbbells for the men, which is certainly a different loading than you're going to get on a 5x5 five five back squat. And it's not going to be just a 5x5. Five five. You know, those are typically going to be a higher repetition. So right off the bat, I'm getting a nice bit of variance based upon what that heavy day was. 
still going below parallel, going in a different way. And I might just plug in there dumbbell thrusters, moderate volume, something like that. And this, okay, so let, let, let me stop you there because it's a yeah. big chunk. So let's go back to the top. So we start, we're looking back, we're talking about these different ways that we can express these heavy days. That's the first priority. Map those out over a four-week um, time frame. Come back. Then we start looking at, okay, what are some other elements that need to be present? You start sketching in the ideas around those heavy days. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's below parallel. And then, you know, week two, it's, it's overhead, whatever. And then you come back after doing that exercise to the original idea and refine it a little bit further. So we've got a below parallel that that's kind of the goal. We take a look back at, you know, in recent memory, what were the ways that lo- below parallel has shown up? What hasn't been around for a while? That might give you a clue as to where that below parallel needs to be refined into. Mm-hmm. And then you start making another decision based on that. So in this case, okay, thrusters seem to fit the bill. And thrusters with a dumbbell um, was a choice that seemed to make sense based on the recency of doing thrusters or lack of. Right. So is that is that about right? That's where we're at? Yep. And that, like I so said, the game cool. is played for gymnastics, pulling, midline work, yep. running, biking, rowing. And that same game is also played, not right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna chunk in, like I just said, below parallel. I might say pull from the ground, whatever it happens to be. Once those get laid in. Then I'll I'll go back and put in what I think makes sense. You know, for example, dumbbell thrusters, and that that'll be played for all these different things. This seems to make sense. Hey, with most recent thing we did was kipping chest to bar pull ups, and before that was kipping chin over bar pull ups. Before that we did ring muscle ups. Before that we did rope climbs. Hey, you know what? We're gonna work some strict pull ups in. Those get put mm-hmm. in for the upper body pulling, and so all of that gets gets played in there, and then now you have to do a little bit of that same homework for loadings and rep ranges and things of that nature. You know, you don't want everything to be a chipper. You don't want everything to be a 21-15-9 either. And so you need to make sure that those are being done appropriately and whatever volume of reps you assign to whatever loading happens to be, let's say, on the barbell, it needs to be that by the end of the workout, it got the overall volume that you want that is an appropriate dosing of that movement for that athlete to get in a good stimulus, not beat them up too much, but drive the needle forward appropriately, if that makes sense, Mm. or pull-up volume or GHD sit-up volume or whatever it happens to be. So I will then work hard to get actual rough workouts in on most days. They're rough. I'm not in love with them. And you're right. So good. Let me let me stop you there for a second and just to kind of recap, and, and this is something that I'm seeing as a theme that kind of emerges, which I think is a little bit different than the way some people approach their programming. Uh, and correct me if I've got this incorrect, but it sounds like, okay, you start, you've got this four-week block. That's the goal is to get this this block finished up. And you make a pass starting with the strength, then basic concepts, then some things attached to those concepts. Then you take another pass and continue filling in these blanks. And fundamentally that what you're doing is you're going all the way from start to finish in this block and then starting over and filling in another decision, start to finish, and then starting over and filling in some more decisions. As opposed to what I think a lot of people do is they will craft one workout in its entirety 
and then do the next day in its entirety no, and then the next day in its entirety. I think that's very common. And I'm not saying that's wrong. Yeah. There's plenty of people that I think can program really effectively sure, that way. Sure, sure. But, but but your approach is is much more kind of twenty thousand foot view than the eighteen thousand foot view, than the fifteen thousand foot view, than the ten thousand foot view, until eventually mm-hmm. you're getting down to all right, now we're on ground level with one workout. Yep. But it doesn't yep. start there. Yep, because if I just nail, quote unquote nailed down Monday's workout, mm-hmm. that for me anyway, is far too rigid because now you've just definitely, if I'm trying to do things right, influence what I can do Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday because Monday is now carved in stone. Yep. You've taken some pieces off of the board. Correct. By making those hard decisions. Nope. I want to give myself as much flexibility for as long as possible because a lot of these things are going to change constantly as things shift and become illuminated as I keep peeling some things Mm -hmm. back. Mm-hmm. And so I'll get the rough now after I do all that, I'll start to put in rough workouts. Okay, this sticking with our theme here. Tuesday was five by five backs, but now on Friday we've got uh let's make it Fran like. It's 2159 dumbbell thrusters and toes to bar. Great. Sounds like a delicious workout, right? <laughs> and so um, and then I, you know, something else is in there. Getting to that uh that stage. Now, it may not end up being a dumbbell thruster. At all. It, it actually might wind up being a, I don't know, power clean, then front squat, then push press, like barbell kind of a complex deal. Still gets me below parallel and overhead, very similar to a thruster. Like, so we, we might, it's gonna, it could still change a lot, point being. I'm just putting in the dumbbell thrusters because they do work on that day. Mm-hmm. They may not be like to my total like psychopath level of, of happiness yet, but they're, they're certainly okay. And they're enough to occupy that for now. They're not going to get kicked out for now. And so something will be like that on, on every day. And then once, and you're also right, because I'm trying to lay out a structure that somebody can actually follow if they so desire, but you're totally mm. right. After you've been doing this for a while, I'll be in this phase that I'm talking right now, which is the, you know, like you said, 20,000 foot to 15,000 foot to 10,000 foot. And it might just come to me looking at a Tuesday. I'm like, mm-hmm. I know exactly what yep. fits right here beautifully. Um, and boom, it'll get put in. And and maybe it's a repeat workout. And this is the date that we did it before. And that that might happen on a day or two of each week. It just as as yeah. and it happens mm-hmm. more and more as you start to polish. You don't necessarily need to get down mm-hmm. to the 10,000 foot, 5,000 foot, 1,000 foot, 500 feet. Like as you're getting lower and lower, things start to become, they start to call to you like, this belongs on this day, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, again, yep. as you've been programming for a while, and you put those pieces in, and you put those pieces in. Well, and, and that's, it's important to, to note too that what you're identifying is that your process is not so rigid that you're going to stop yourself when that, oh, whatever no. it is, jumps off the page at you. When it jumps off the page at you, you're like, okay, boom, let's do it because obviously this seems to be a really good decision. Instead Correct. of like, well, I, I'm not quite there yet. I better wait. No, it's like when the impetus is there, go for it. Yep. Yep. And I've got a couple of things I want to don't. Uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, uh, remind me when something doesn't fit and then, oh, I just had something that was gone. Oh, wait. When, when something does remind me to come back to when something doesn't fit. Okay. And then what I was going to say is, so eventually I'll I'll get to the point where there's there's a rough workout on each day and it and it meets the general guidelines of 
below parallel, light, high volume, overhead, whatever it has, you know, overhead, blah, blah, blah. Then it's, that's a really great place to get to because at least you've got to work out in every day. When you take a step back, I can at least speak for me personally, I usually look at it and I absolutely hate it. I just despise it. <laughs> I think I'm the stupidest idiot on the face of the earth. I just, you know, want to go jump off a bridge. Uh, and, and that's when the real work begins. So now you've got some mm. pieces there and you need a piece. You know, you can't polish nothing. You have to polish something. Right. And so now that you have something in each day, now the real work begins of like, okay, the rough, you know, science or, you know, detective work looking back led you to where you are. And it, and it makes factual sense because you took your emotion out of it and you got to where you are. Now more of the art program, art side comes in. And that's where the, the, the polish comes in and the frequency of one thing versus another thing. Or mm -hmm. is this movement, again, you hate to say more important or beneficial than something else, but yes, you know, and so we might touch oh, that. Sure. We might well, touch I, that a bit more regular than something else. And you should. I, yeah. Yes. I think it's, it's, that's something that, again, through experience, you start to learn that there are movements that have more utility than others. That's just the, straight up. There is no way around that. Um, and there are certain things that, yeah, they definitely have a place in the program, but they're more seasoning than they mm -hmm. are the main course. And you have to treat them as such. Um, and if you're, if you're hoping to make that seasoning, you know, as subst substantive as uh, the main course, it's never going to happen and you're not going to be satisfied with it. So, yes, I think that's, that's worth understanding as a newer programmer it's like hey man it, you know a pistol is a great example it's like yeah fine right. movement you should be exposed to it from time to time it should not substitute uh be the substitute for the majority of your squatting work it's just you're not like, going to see the same result we not do, even close we do pistols yeah. twice a week you're like really right. why <laughs> you're like cool <laughs> well and not why but there's there's a sunk cost there mm -hmm. that if you're doing pistols twice a week what are you not doing because you're spending correct. so much time on the pistol correct so uh the thing i was going to say about you know, I'm, I'm human too. So this is a tough thing to do as a programmer. And I think this circles back to something you said initially about you can't do everything every day or you can't fit it all in. Mm -hmm. Like if, if you want to be good at 125 different things across it, which might not be an outrageous number if you think about all the different mm -hmm. distances yeah. and movements. And, you know, I named... That adds up quick. I yeah. named 10 different upper body pullings. I mean, how many barbell movements are there than dumbbells and kettlebells? you're not going to get them all in each week. That's okay. Yes. But yes. if you do get in what I said, below parallel, pulling from the ground, going overhead, you're going to get in the major foundational building mm -hmm. blocks that translate all to those 125 things. And that's why, maybe again, circling back to the beginning, somebody doesn't understand why we don't deadlift every week, but you still get better at deadlifting. The movement yep. pattern we do it all the time. The mm -hmm. movement pattern of the deadlift, the musculature that you need to strengthen to improve your deadlift from posterior chain and midline and your lats. We hit that all the time, whether we're deadlifting well, or not. And philosophically, that's the whole point of GPP is that you do enough things generally well so that you are generally prepared for anything else that should come at you. It is not a game of having to match every specific outcome that could you know, confront an individual, that's, that's not the name of the game because mm -hmm. you're never, ever going to be able to do that. You cannot plan for every uh, uncertainty like that. Um, however, you can cast a wide enough net with enough big picture things, like you mentioned, 
that, yeah, okay, maybe it's not exactly the specific way that you train, but you've trained close enough to that often enough that it's not a big deal. You can fill in the gaps when you need to, mm -hmm. um, when you're called to perform. So I think that's a really good point, especially now that we're what half an hour, 40 minutes deep into this conversation is that, Hey, look, it's, it can be overwhelming when you're new to try to keep track of all of these details and feel like you have to capture them all in this perfect, flawless way. And I'm here to tell you that, you know, once you get those big picture things established, the details matter less and less. And that's kind of the dirty little secret. Like it's fun mm -hmm. to have somebody like yourself who, you know, you're so experienced and you're so good at putting together these workouts that they're just, you know, they're very elegant. There's not a lot of fluff. They fit together really, really nicely. There's an obvious structure there to them. But let's just say you had a 21, 15, nine rep scheme and that was 20, 15, 10 or 30, 20, 10. Correct. You know, those details probably don't matter as much as you think about. Uh, and so it's not worth getting super hung up mm -hmm. at that level. Um, that can be a pet project and that can be part of the challenge and, and, and kind of personal satisfaction around a lot of that stuff. But don't get too hung up on that, especially if you're newer. Look through those big, big picture, make sure you have a good spread and then continue to refine from there. But at a certain point, recognize that, hey, it's okay. You're not going to capture it all. And that's not a big deal. Right. If, if you don't swing a kettlebell this week, chances are you'll live. <laughs> it, uh, it would be nice, but, but I bet if you look over the course of the week, you've hinged at the hip. Right. And you've used yep. the posterior chain and you've stabilized mm -hmm. the midline. And so even though you didn't or, swing a kettlebell, yeah. the next time it comes up, you can swing it. Yep. Exactly. You know, like you're gonna be you're gonna be good. So the, it's it's there's some foundational ways that the body moves. And in my mind, that's what we need to develop. I don't really care if you get better at thrusters it's per mm -hmm. se. You know, it's the movement pattern of going below parallel that is so spicy there. And obviously thrusters just you know make you into a, a demon of fitness as well. But uh, where is it going with this? Oh, trying to fit in something that might not fit. This can be a, a curse of the novice programmer and it bites, it bites anybody in there as well. Like hmm. it might be like, there are some workouts that are people just love to do. And you know, if you program them, you'll be hailed as the Messiah and they will just love it. They'll be so happy. I'm going to say one that will make you smile. The chief. People love oh, to do my favorite. <laughs> See, like who's not going to be happy if the chief is programmed? People love the chief. And so maybe you haven't done the chief in a while. And maybe you're like, you know what? We haven't done the chief in a while. Um, it, it maybe it should make an appearance. Well, maybe it should. And so now you have it in your head and you want to put it in this four week block. But then as you lay out everything that I said and all these things start to get put, put in and where we didn't go. Suddenly the chief doesn't fit and you may really try to just to shoehorn it in someplace just to get it in. <laughs> and, you know, I've done that from time to time, you know, in, in days gone by. I would recommend that you don't do it personally. Mm. There will be a time when it works and it fits. And so, well, my two cents. And I agree with that. And I'll tell you that one of the things that I do when I'm programming big chunks like this is exactly that. If I have this thing that I really get hung up on like the chief, I'm like, man, I love this workout. It's great, but it just doesn't fit based on what I need. Fine. I'll, I'll make a note of it. I'll just make a little sticky and just put mm -hmm. that on my board for later. And I'm like, okay, yep. the next time I run this exercise, I look through and I'm like, oh, the chief, that's right. I wanted to get it in last time and it didn't fit. 
awesome. It fits here really well. And boom, I've got one more decision that's already been made for me. And that's kind of nice to come back to. Um, I, I want to offer just a little counterpoint sure. to your process because like you, when I've got a, a big birth that I'm going to program at once, I do like to start with the strength work. I think it's a great, easy place to start making some decisions. My second pass through is usually just time frames mm-hmm. because I find that to be super easy to start laying out. So I'm like, okay, I've got my first week. We're going to back squat on Tuesday, let's just say. Next week, it's going to be an overhead lift on Wednesday and et cetera, et cetera. Those are placed in. And then I look at the remainder of the training days back at week one and I start to say, okay, you know, day one is going to be a sprint style, super short effort. Then we're going to lift. Then we're going to do whatever, whatever. And, uh, uh, you know, it follows that later in the week, there's going to need to be a longer effort. Cool. Mm -hmm. Then the next week, what's left over? Well, we don't really have like a mid effort. So I'll put that in there, like a 10 minute effort. And I'll start to sketch in the timeframes that I want to hit as kind of my second step. And that to me, um, same thing that you're talking about uh, on the broad level, it makes a decision that gets me a little bit closer, but it doesn't hedge me into anything firm yet. I still have plenty of freedom to figure out what that looks like within those timeframes, but I've got a little bit closer to the goal. And Absolutely. And again, that's the wonderful thing, right? It's, it's stylistic, getting mm-hmm. to the finish line in, in a way that works for you. And if you get to the finish line and, and you're producing fitness for your people, you have, you have nailed it. So I think people get a rough idea of what I'm talking about here, hopefully enough just to, to play with, to start, to create maybe some systems for themselves. So I'll maybe offer, again, I almost cringe to do this because I don't want people to get so rigid and locked into it. Well, here, I'll say this. When I lay out that four-week block and I polish it and I polish it, and when I finally am actually happy with it, I'm like, this is it. I, I'm happy to present this to the world and, and put my name on it. That takes four to five days, mm-hmm. just people know, of, of, of seven hours a day ish. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll say also from experience that it's one of those things that if you want to do it well, it's best to be done over multiple sessions. This is not something that, I mean, and, and in the beginning, I really believed that it was a deficiency in my own programming style that I couldn't just sit down and say, okay, from 12 to four on Monday, I'm just going to write four weeks and it's going to be amazing. And then I'm done. And I would get to the end of a, of a, a work session like that. And I'd be frustrated with myself and, mm-hmm. and be like, why, why can't I put this together? I should be better than this. Yep. I should know how to do this. And it just never worked out that way until I gave myself the freedom that I'm like, no, no, no this cannot be a rushed process if it's to be done well. Amen. And the time away is really important because you come back with a fresh perspective and you see things that you didn't before and you have some ideas that kind of had time to percolate. Uh, in your subconscious or otherwise. And that's where the best stuff starts to emerge. If you try to force it in that single session, it almost never works, at least in my experience. Undoubtedly. I mean, some, the most progress is made when I get to wherever I get to at the end of the workday and I stop and I sleep mm-hmm. and I get up the next morning with a fresh cup of coffee and a fresh set of eyes and I glance at it again and things will leap out at me that didn't leap out at me at the end of the day before. I'm like, oh, right. Yep. This, this is beautiful here. Or look at this. What in the world was I thinking? This is going <laughs> to yeah. get changed. This is just <laughs> Who made flat that out decision? dumb. Right. <laughs> yeah. you know, and that, that polishing, 
it takes time. You, you, yep. you can't rush it. So now again, I, and that was a hard one to learn for me. Oh. You know, again, like, especially in the beginning, you convince yourself, you're like, I should be more efficient than this. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Why? Yes. Like, why are you forcing this time frame? And, and I'll say, you know, this is broad brush stuff that I gave. I'm going to give a little bulletized list here at the end that it almost pains mm. me to do because I don't want people to think you have to do this. And if you hit it, it's good programming. If you don't hit it, it's bad. No, no, no. I just, I want to give you something useful to start from. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I'll also say the conversation up to this is detailed as it seems. There's still a whole lot more in there with something yes. as simple as yep. on a day that we need to go overhead. And let's say it's not a heavy day. It's just a day that we have to go overhead in a mixed modality, classic CrossFit workout. Well, I can see overhead several ways and they all have value and they all need to be figured out what should make the most sense. Should it be a classic overhead press, you know, like a, a shoulder press, something with hip drive, like a, a a push press mm -hmm. but then is it hip drive and then with like impact loading is it a push jerk or a split mm. jerk yeah that's overhead but it's different than just the push press or just the shoulder press a wall ball while not classic overhead if you do enough of them you're going to fatigue your shoulders and feel them the next day so what do you have going on do we go overhead with one arm do we go overhead with two arms or do we go overhead in more of a stabilization role in something like nancy yes you're not developing mm. quote unquote classic pressing strength, but I'm here to tell you, you are moving the needle forward with your overhead capacity doing something like Nancy. Or are we walking on our hands? Or are we doing handstand push-ups? So just because something says we have to go overhead, <laughs> it's a broad range. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot going on there. Yep. So, okay. So here's my bulletized list that I don't want okay. anyone to think is rigid, but this would just mm. be nice. Let's say over the course of one week, don't be locked into this. Maybe try to go below parallel twice. Maybe try to go overhead twice. Maybe try to pull from the ground twice. You hear the word twice a lot. Gymnastics pulling twice. Again, these are just nice metrics. It might be three times. It might happen every now and then. Once, mm, that'd be kind of interesting. But it, that, that might work, again, based upon what you have. So this is why just trying to hit twice of them might be mm. that good starting point that then once you polish it, it shifts a little bit one way yep. or another, but that's okay. Yep. You've got to start somewhere. So maybe with twice. Um, let's see. Uh, and if you, I think you, again, think if you're aiming for just once, it's going to be not quite enough. Not all mm. the weeks will end up um, doing each gross movement pattern twice, but it's a, it's, 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 it has utility. And I think that that was just just a good starting point for folks to start to play with. It's just a canvas yeah. that you're getting some paint on the canvas, and then you can start to move it around. That's all. And one of those days should be, in my opinion, a classic heavy day. So take it for what it's worth. Yeah, well, what I think might be uh, kind of fun now that we've talked big picture a little bit in this you know, kind of four-week process, uh, it might be fun to revisit this on another show and talk about just a single workout. Okay, we've got the template established. Now we're getting into the decision around a single workout. How do you start to craft that process? What are the decisions that you're making in there? And um, you know, how is it ultimately decided that you're like, yes, we've got it. So that might be a nice follow-up yeah. to get a little more granular in yep. a follow-up show. Yep, because you can do, again, getting back to what you said about time domains or things like that, Maybe on a certain day, like I said, yeah, we need to do thrusters. Well, are we doing thrusters in the seven or are we doing mm -hmm. thrusters in Fran? 
<laughs> both thrusters, yeah. very different time domains, very <laughs> different stimuli. Like, so yes, all of that gets rolled into it. So hopefully this helps people. I know that, I know it's a lot. Listen to it a few times, take some notes, but hopefully it provides some actual meaningful utility and not just us flapping our gums of <laughs> where can I start? What should I do? And, you know, a little bit of a roadmap. Yeah. And I would say, you know, for everybody out there, just to kind of leave on an idea that we opened with is get your hands dirty. They're, they're just workouts. At the end of the day, um, you know, you're going to have some stinkers on the way oh, to yeah. being really good at this. And the only way to go through that is to pursue your ideas, put them out there and do them, do them yourself, see how they uh, come together. And if they're way further away from what you had conceived of in your mind, ask yourself why. Sit down and figure out what was it that kind of blew it for this particular workout? Um, why didn't it come together the way that I thought it would? And chances are, if you do that, you're going to identify it pretty quickly. Like, what was the weak link? And you can make that adjustment for next time and kind of log it away. And soon enough, you get pretty good at carving out a method that makes sense to you based on that experience. So long story short, don't be afraid to mess around with this stuff. Um, at the end of the day, it's just movement. It's just exercise. If it's too much, it'll be readily apparent to you and you can just stop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> right, right. And if it's not enough, you'll know for next time, okay, I didn't hit enough of uh, the stimulus I was looking for. I can be a little bit more aggressive. You know, it's, um, it's not that big of a deal to have a workout that's not ideal in its first pass. So don't be afraid of that. Yeah, and don't program with an ego. Don't let your ego mm -hmm. get in the way of, sure. of doing what's actually appropriate. There's, there are some workouts that people think that they like. People think that yeah. they want to just lift big, heavy, crushing weights every day. They don't long-term. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> you, know, you, you, yeah. you know, so mm. you program intelligently. And it, in my opinion, it, it is a, something you should take with a high deal of responsibility and regard because people are mm -hmm. entrusting you with their health, their fitness, their knees, their backs, their shoulders. And that's not to be taken lightly. Like it's fun and it's yeah, awesome. Fair and enough. it's and yeah. it's profoundly impactful on that person's life when done appropriately. So that's mm -hmm. that's that. So this is <laughs> this is a wonderful dive into programming. It seems to be one of those topics everyone's fascinated by. I hope that this helps illuminate a little bit as to when you look at a a week of CrossFit programming to demystify it a bit and maybe start to see some patterns and some whys. That would be really cool. Start to see the matrix. This is a look into my head and Boz's head, but I'd love, I love this topic. So I'd love to hear in the comments, what's your process? What do you do? What are your lessons learned? You know, what are your sequences or what are, you know, how do you do it? Find this episode on the BTWB YouTube channel. Post those thoughts in the comment section. If you have an idea for a future show, we would love to know what it is. As always, we appreciate your support. For Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.